Capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Wiggins a three-pointer, puts it in. A 15-point lead with 143 to play. The Warriors are ready to celebrate. The doctor TC Martin launches. You know, they still are the champs. They still are the champs, technically. Okay. (laughs) For at least another three weeks. There you have it. Glad to have you with us here on a wild, woolly hump day, Wednesday, in the house. Numbchuck is there, making it happen, in the mix. Let's fix it, in the mix. Glad to have you with us. Oh, yeah, today... We're going to talk about VGK, Vegas Golden Knights. Gary Lawless is going to join us. Does a fantastic job on the radio and the TV side. I remember when Gary first got to town and came over from Winnipeg, came on the show, and uh, we had all kinds of great conversations regarding Winnipeg food, the jet dog, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A little Rex and effects to start us off. On a Wednesday. Because that's what you got to do. You got to get a little zoom zoom and a boom boom. We'll talk Vegas Golden Knights because we got a huge weekend in store here in Las Vegas again. Not only do we have the start of the Western Conference Finals for the Stanley Cup playoffs, but it's fight week as well too. Get ready for Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko. Been looking forward to this one for a long, long time. So we'll dive into that today. The uh, five-time champ, Tim Bradley, will join us. Does an amazing job on ESPN with top-ranked boxing. And uh, we will talk Haney and Lomachenko. Huge fight. Statement fight. Championship fight for the undisputed lightweight championship. That's at the MGM Grand Garden Arena coming up on Saturday night. So we look forward to that. And like I said, we've got uh, basketball to talk about as well, too, with the Western Conference Finals uh, underway last night. And then tonight, the Eastern Conference Finals get underway with the Miami Heat in Boston to take on the Celtics. And that line continues to rise up. It's an eight-point favorite right now are the Boston Celtics. All right, so money streaming in on the Celtics, but not so fast, my friend. Miami is going to have a say in this series, no question about it. You know, Jimmy Butler, he's motivated, he's ready to play because you got to remember who eliminated the Miami Heat last year. That was the Boston Celtics, and Jimmy Butler missed a a game tying shot in game seven and he has vowed we're going to get back and they're back and they're all business and i made the comment yesterday and i f- firmly believe this that the miami heat they have the best coach be- best head coach remain in these playoffs i like michael malone of denver he's a guy that uh had a head-, head coaching job with the sacramento kings before he got the nuggets job uh was let go by the kings he was very distraught about being let go by Sacramento back then. And uh, so he's got a lot to prove himself. And he's not shy about it. And even though the Nuggets won game one last night, he's not happy with the performance. He's never happy. And this is a number one seed team in the Western Conference, a team that has been phenomenal on their home floor. They continue to do nothing but win. And uh, this is a coach that he's not happy. He's not happy for just getting, okay, the opening game. And, you know, one of these coaches or, you know, players you hear all the time talk about, well, let's get a split. We'll be happy with a split. No, he wants to win every game. And so he's a, he's a very good coach. But then when you look at the other coaches, okay, Darvin Ham, 
They've assembled a very nice roster with the Lakers, especially at the trading deadline, what they did bringing, you know, Rui uh, Hashimura in. He's, he's been fantastic. The other, you know, pieces have probably played above their heads, like Austin Reeves. We talked about Lonnie Walker, the fourth in the series against the Warriors. And every series is going to be different. The rotations are going to be different. The substitution patterns are going to be different. It's all about matchups and good coaches will go ahead and, and look at that, devise different game plans and schemes and sets, you know, uh, for those opponents. Uh, Darvin Ham has done a nice job in Boston. Their head coach is a mess. Um, Joe Missoula. So I think Eric Spolstra is the best coach. He's got the most experience, especially in playoff situations, championships, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that uh, the Miami Heat have a, a shot against the Boston Celtics because you got Jimmy Butler. You got a very good defensive team. You got a team that's playing with a lot of confidence right now. They're on a mission. They want to get back. They have this number that's attached to their name, which is number eight, which is the eighth seed. They don't believe that they are an eighth seed. So, yeah, they got a lot to prove here. And we've seen Boston go through its moments, despite being a top-seeded team in the East, despite having Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart and you know Al Horford and the, the talent that they have on that team, they don't show up sometimes. And they live and die by the three. So that's a little dangerous. And when you don't have a very experienced head coach, that can spell some trouble. So not going to be surprised if the Heat make this a competitive series. Could They could even win the series. I mean, heck, no one expected Philadelphia to go seven games with the Celtics. And Philly blew up Boston. Remember that game five? Still can't get that out of my brain. At the TD Garden. And you got embarrassed. Sure, you came back and you won game six, but you were life and death in that game. Then game seven, you blew out the Sixers, especially in the second half. Outscored them by 30. But Boston is is not that team that you can just say, wow, you know, pencil them into the finals, pencil them into a championship. Now, Denver, you can say that. You can say it for so many reasons, and we saw it last night. And when we talk to people and they say they like the Lakers and they think the Lakers are going to win this series in seven, some people even say six games, I don't, I don't see that. I just don't see it. Denver has been a beast all season long. They have the best player in the NBA currently right now, at least the best big man in Jokic. And what he do last night? <laughs> Clinic is what Jokic did last night. 34 points. 21 rebounds, 14 assists. Again, 34, 21, 14. Hot, hot, hike. I was going to say that. Are you kidding me? And and then he had a, a basically stale or a slow fourth quarter. Do you know what these numbers could have been if Denver didn't take their foot off the gas and they were just, you know, kind of put it in cruise control? Because they did for the better part of that fourth quarter. Especially in the in the final six minutes, thirty four points, twenty one rebounds, fourteen assists, and again it blows me away how this guy could not be given the most valuable player award this year. It's just insane. And let me get on this tangent, okay? I know it's not Tuesday, but but come on, I've always said this. I'm going to say it again. You don't hand out these postseason awards for regular season accomplishments. You don't do it. Did I say something that was funny? <laughs> no, listen. Elephant. Baby yeah. elephant walk. Yeah. Oh, terrible Tuesday. Terrible Tuesday. I, I, I just figured we'd go with it. It's a it. leftover. Why not? But seriously, I mean, are you kidding me? Every year we have this ridiculous discussion. MVP, MVP, MVP. We're talking about, oh, he's the MVP. We're still playing. Okay? This is the postseason. You should hand out the most valuable player award. Defensive player of the war. All, six minutes. All of this. In the middle or end of June, when the season is completely done. What are we playing for? Playing to win championships, right? Oh, he's the regular season MVP. Forget that nonsense. If Joel Embiid was truly the best player and the most valuable player, he would lead his team past 
the second round of the playoffs. Correct? Correct? Yes. Correct, sir. I mean, you, you don't you don't have sir. to agree with me if you don't if you don't. That's that's fine. I'm asking you. for your approval, but I never understood. We're gonna give out these awards and these go on these guys' resumes. They account for bonuses, you know, more money in their bank accounts. Okay, legacy, all of that stuff, right? In consideration for future Hall of Fame MVP of what? The regular season? We already know that the regular season doesn't mean anything to anyone in the NBA. Doesn't mean anything. Well, let's let's rest our guys. Let's rest. Forget about it. What happens if, say, a Steph Curry, somebody who missed 29 games and did lead his team all the way to the championship, people are going to remember that, well, yeah, Steph Curry was the real MVP. Not somebody else who had a really good regular season because they stayed healthy and they put up numbers. It's more than numbers. You got to lead your team to wins and victories. Like we said yesterday, the Philadelphia 76ers, 54 wins. All right. Doc Rivers gets fired, 51 the year before. All right. 49 the year before that. They improved. All right. You're fired. Six NBA head coaching vacancies right now. But anyway, back to last night's game. The Denver Nuggets are a beast. All right? Denver is going to win this series. They're probably going to win it handily. Yesterday I said this could even be a sweep. Five games. I, I could go with five games. Six is the outset, the longest. Because I know a lot of people are going to say, well, Lakers, they haven't lost a home playoff game in the postseason. Okay, granted, I get that. I get it. And we saw Denver lose two games in Phoenix. All right. We saw Denver a little shaky when they went on the road in the first series against Minnesota. But if Denver takes care of the ball, they play some defense, Denver's going to win the series in as many games as they want to. And that's, if that's four, if that's five, if that's six, it's going to happen. And Michael Malone is not going to let this team say, Hey, we go back to LA. Let's settle for one. We're fine with getting one. No, he wants to win every game. Like I said earlier. So Denver wins last night, 132-126. Shout out to our guy, Scott Spritzer. He had the over last night. That was pretty easy, right? <laughs> Do the math, Numbchuck. 132-126. Quick, quick. Add that up. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? 4,312. Incorrect. <laughs> that would be 258 points. Flew over the total. I tried. Of like 222. I tried. Yeah. You're horrible at math, but we've already determined that. Yes, we have. Uh, Jamal Murray is becoming the Jamal Murray again for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, 31 points for him. Uh, Caldwell Pope had 21. Bruce Brown had 16. Michael Porter Jr., 15. Denver had six double-digit scores in that game. They shot 55% from the floor. They shot 47% beyond the three-point arc. 15 for 32. Yeah, they won by six. Didn't cover for some people. Covered for others. Pushed for others because that number was right along the lines of five and a half, six, six and a half, depending on when you got it. If you got it early, you covered. If you got it mid-range, well, you pushed. If you got it late, you probably lost. But bottom line is Denver won. Oh, for those money line betters out there, you won. And remember, Denver is only a $1.65 favorite to win this series. Rebounding. Advantage Denver. Out-rebounded Lakers 47 to 30. Now, we'll give the Lakers some credit. They didn't make it close, but it didn't mean anything. All right. As LeBron James said earlier today, that doesn't matter if you're down 20, you lose by three or six or whatever. It does not matter. You lost. Plain and simple. And I agree with him with that. James had 26 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists. He was good. Anthony Davis had a big game, 40 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Austin Reeves had 23. Hachimura had 17, but nothing after that. But, you know, the Lakers played pretty well, but it wasn't enough to beat Denver. And we figured, we called it yesterday, that Denver's going to win this opening game for the most part when a team has a very emotional series and plays hard and they're in a fight down to the wire like the Lakers were against the Warriors. It's natural. Game one, a little bit of a letdown, a little bit of fatigue. And that's what happened last night, and Denver ends up winning by six. 
So today, game one, coming up with Miami and Boston. Boston now an eight-point favorite. Nothing but Boston money coming in here. We'll see how this uh, thing plays out. Okay. So yesterday, the news came down from the WNBA uh, regarding the suspension of Aces head coach Becky Hammond and penalizing the franchise a draft pick in 2025. uh, That draft pick was taken away. Now, the Aces don't have a pick next year in 2024, so therefore the WNBA is part of the suspension and the um, sanctions handed down by the league said, well, we'll take away a 2025 first-round draft pick. This all stems from an investigation that found the Aces violated league rules regarding impermissible player benefits and workplace policies. Now, I want to highlight both of these things because they are two different things here. And the Aces were found guilty in the WNBA's eyes, the league offices wise, on one of those things. And that was workplace policies, not of impermissible player benefits. Now, according to the WNBA, the Aces violation entailed promises of impermissible benefits during contract extension negotiations with former Aces player D'Erica Hamby. Now, the respect to the workplace violation stemmed from comments Becky Hammond made to D'Erica Hamby in connection to Hamby's pregnancy. So, Hamby's accusations are that Becky Hammond questioned her of the timing of her pregnancy. Now, remember, this goes back to June when the Aces found out and Hamby notified Becky Hammond and the powers to be in the Aces front office that, that she was pregnant. And so, Derek Hamby's accusations are that Becky Hammond questioned her on the timing of the pregnancy and questioned her, why didn't she take protective measures? Okay, these were the accusations from Derricka Hamby. Now that's that's out there. It's been out there for a long time, and this is what she said. Okay, that was in response to Hamby saying that she was not planning on this pregnancy. Okay, she wasn't attempting to be pregnant. She got pregnant by accident, and she had to deliver the news. And for it was a shock to all of us, to everybody in the organization that, oh, she's pregnant again and had a five-year-old daughter and um, she she got pregnant. Now, it really didn't affect Hamby's play on the floor. And, you know, she was going through another injury uh, as well as, you know, again, she had the, the foot and she had a knee injury uh, last year. But Derricka Hamby was traded by the Aces to the L.A. Sparks during the offseason. Now, she took her allegations public, alleging on an Instagram post that the Aces treated her in an unprofessional and unethical way, and that that was traumatizing due to her pregnancy. And at the time, she did not specify which member of the organization made the disparaging comments, but it is now known that it was Becky Hammond. So the league investigated Hamby's claims as well as the allegations of the salary cap circumvention, and the WNBA said that the investigation was not able to substantiate any of those particular allegations regarding the salary cap circumvention. There were stories that were out there. There were alleged, um, you know, false accounts saying, well, the Aces were paying players under the table to come sign with them or existing players to, you know, uh, so they didn't go over the salary cap, okay? Uh, That was false, and the WNBA, with their investigation, could not prove that. But what the suspension for Becky Hammond and then taking away the draft pick for 2025, that was based on the conversations, apparently, with Derek Hamby and Becky Hammond going back to last year. So the WNBA's investigation included interviews with 33 people a review of numerous texts and emails and other documents. This is all according to the WNBA. Today, Becky Hammond addressed the situation. So there was a pre-planned 
event today or a press conference with all of the WNBA coaches. And this was on the docket for quite some time. Um, I sat in on the, the session today with Becky Hammond. Uh, she handled herself, uh, amazingly well, like she normally does. She said she did not have any inappropriate conversations with Derricka Hamby, actually completely the opposite. And as we know, and I can personally tell you the relationship between Becky Hammond and all of her players and, and specifically Derricka Hamby, because, you know, this is a, a, a big topic and has been for the last few months that their relationship was great. I mean, everything that I saw witnessed, um, Becky Hammond was there for Derricka Hamby. She cared and loved for her child and wants the best for Derricka and her family. But when this news came out, again, it, it came as a shock to everyone. And Derricka Hamby did not go public with this until the night of the victory parade when she announced it to everybody. Now, the Aces organization you know, knew about this prior to that. Becky Hammond also would like to know who these 33 people that were interviewed because she did say today that no current players on this Aces roster were interviewed. None. Only one player that she knew that was interviewed was Liz Cambage, who did not play for Becky Hammond. She was not on the roster last year. And again, you know, she was, you know, a member of the LA Sparks. So what Liz Cambage had to say about either workplace environment, whatever, that has nothing to do with Becky Hammond's regime. Okay. I don't know what Liz said. If Liz was talking about, obviously the only thing she could really experience or talk from experience is when Bill Lambeer was coach, when there was a different ownership group as well too, but prior to Mark Davis, all of that. So who knows? Uh, but the bottom line is this, is that this all came up because Dierka Hamby was upset about being traded, which is totally understandable. Anybody who's either lost their job or got traded, especially when you don't want to be traded, Dierka Hamby did not want to leave. She was invested in the Las Vegas Aces. She loved this team. She loved this community. Her daughter was a big part of this organization. Um, she was the, f you know, as I called her, the de-energizer of this team. She was the spark plug of this team. She was amazing. And she was well-liked and loved by, by pretty much everybody. Fans loved her. All right. But she went to social media to vent her frustrations about being traded. And then she made some very strong accusations. All right. So Becky Hammond said that the allegations are completely false. There are no emails involving Hammond and her players. She texts players. She admitted that there's text, but all the conversations with Dierka Hamby were professional and caring. And I can just tell you from what I know of Becky Hammond, she is a very caring person. She cares about these girls. She loves this team, loves all aspects about the organization. And if she said something that was inappropriate, okay, she'll own up to that. But what this investigation really you know, found is that there were no improprieties from, you know, the salary cap, you know, situation. This all goes back to the, con the conversations or conversation uh, between Becky Hammond and Derricka Hamby when she found out she was pregnant. Now, the reason Hamby was traded was two reasons. The Aces needed salary cap space because of Hamby's contract to add to this team and get some quality free agents, specifically Candace Parker and Alicia Clark. Those were two players that the Aces wanted and they were available during the offseason. Also, Hammond said, we need bodies. And she, you know, said that 
She needs available bodies, meaning you, we need someone who is healthy, who isn't injured. Now you could, dear Kahambi, I'm not speaking for her, but she could have taken that as, well, I'm pregnant. You're saying that I'm not available and maybe I won't be available come the start of next season. All right. She had her child first part of March. She's at training camp. She's a member of the LA Sparks right now. Uh, she's on the court. She's doing well. She's healthy. But you got to remember, too, that Derek Hamby was injured the past two seasons. She was pregnant. Hamby admitted that she was not planning on a pregnancy. This was late June when that conversation took place. The Aces knew about her pregnancy. And I believe the Aces su- supported her pregnancy as they support all mothers. Becky Hammond is a mother. I mean, there are several players and people in that organization who have children. If you go to the new facilities, they have a, ch- a children's room there. <laughs> you know, they have people to, to watch the kids. The Aces have always been, you know, pro-family, pro-children. So, very sad story. But in order to get Candace Parker and Alicia Clark, they need to make a trade. And trading Dierka Hamby made the most sense to free up that cap space. Now, Becky Hammond accepts her suspension. She does not necessarily agree with it. All right? But she has to accept it. And right now, she wants to move on. So, paraphrasing what she said today is that highly disappointed in the outcome of this. Um, stands by her words and her actions, and you have to take her, you know, at at that as well. And we should, because she's never shown anyone that's close to the Aces organization. And I can just speak, you know, my own my own personal. You know, I'm here to you know report the news and not take a side here. Report the situation, and I can tell you. From what I have seen, heard, and been around, that uh, the Aces are no doubt a a class and quality organization. There's no question. Every player, anyone who's in the organization will say that. I think Dierka Hamby was saying that, and she did. She had said that prior to this. But when a player gets traded, they're going to feel differently. They feel betrayed. And Becky even talked about that today. Get that. You totally understand it. And those are tough conversations. When we had Natalie Williams, the general manager on Monday, she, we talked about the cuts and letting people go, whether they're free agents or whether they're draft choices. It's like, those are tough conversations, but that's part of the job. And Becky Hammond has to deliver that news along with Natalie Williams. And Becky said, very tough conversations to, you know, tell Dierka Hamby she's been traded or to tell someone they have been cut. But that's part of the job. And to quote her, that's the crappy part of the job. So a lot of people think that being a head coach or general manager or president, it's all glory. It's not. There are some rough, rough, rough situations. And this is one of those right now. So again, Becky Hammond suspended for the first two games. She will miss the game at Seattle on Saturday and then the following Thursday at Los Angeles. But she'll be back for the home opener on May the 27th. So... Uh, in the meantime, the Aces assistant coaches will take over Tyler Marsh. Uh, he will be acting as the head coach for the game Saturday in Seattle. And then Natalie Nikasi, who is the other assistant, she will be the acting head coach for the game against the L.A. Sparks. And yes, Derek Hamby is a member of the L.A. Sparks. And the Aces are going to face them two of the first three games, one on the road a week from tomorrow, and then the home opener, which will be a week from Saturday. Uh, you think that that's going to be very intriguing? <laughs> yes, it will. All right. So that is the latest uh, regarding uh, the Aces situation. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk the Vegas Golden Knights. The Knights 
are in the Western Conference Final for the fourth time in six years. Uh, Gary Lawless, who does a fantastic job on the radio side as well as the television side, he joins us. We talk a little VGK Dallas Stars. Hey, everyone. This is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show. Pipes will be ready to belt it out Friday night for game number one of the Western Conference Finals between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. Anticipating another fantastic series. You know the Fortress will be going crazy. As I'm sure our next guest is as well, too. He keeps it together, though. I'm telling you, he does. And uh, the man on the TV side, the radio side does it all. The Vegas Golden Knights insider from day number one, the pride of Winnipeg, as I like to say. The one and only Gary Lawless joins us now. Gary, what's going on, my man? Hey, TC, how you doing? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good. All right, so uh, how you doing here? You know, back from Edmonton, get a couple days back here in, in Vegas and enjoy the 95-degree heat and, and get ready to hit the ice on Friday, huh? Yeah, looking real forward to this series. It's going to be, uh, I think, the best matchup so far uh, through uh, – I think the first two rounds, you know, Winnipeg was uh, a good good match. Uh, Edmonton a little better, and I think Dallas will be even better yet. Gary, what has been the most impressive thing about this team? And I was going to say, you know, the during the postseason so far, but let's just extend it to ever since Bruce Cassidy took over, go back to the regular season, include the postseason, the most impressive thing that you've seen about this team. Uh, consistency. You know, this team has had injuries. Used five goalies. Mark Stone missed a huge chunk of time. Uh, there's, there's been no excuses. They've found ways to win and they've, they've kept going. And it's, uh, it's a credit to Bruce that, you know, he has let it kind of slow him down. He's used, people talk about that. You don't get depth just by attracting players. You have to play everybody, and that takes discipline. The Edmonton Oilers get a lot of good players in their bottom six. They just don't use them uh, during the regular season uh, or, or, or in the playoffs. And then at some point in time when you play a really good team, um, your, your top guys get worn out and uh, it costs you. Bruce is disciplined and uh, uses all 18 skaters. Uh, he's had to, but um, as a result, you know, you've got, you've got four lines that are effective and six defensive that are effective. Look at the growth of Hague and White Cloud. They're the best bottom pairing in the National Hockey League, and that doesn't happen by accident. You know, depending on who you talk to, I mean, some people think, you know, coaching makes a world of difference. Others will say, well, no, if you, you have talent, it, it's not that big a deal. I mean, I saw it on that coaches do make a huge difference, no matter what sport. How much of the credit goes to Bruce Cassidy for this team's success? Well, you know, Bruce will tell you, and there's no good coaches without uh, without good players. And I would suggest uh, in a salary cap era where every team, you know, has the same amount of, just, amount of money to spend on players, coaching can make a huge difference. And uh, Bruce and his staff have done a tremendous job. They deserve a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Now, with the... I've been really impressed with the way, and you kind of alluded to it already, just the way that he has maneuvered in uh, with this team, with the lines, and just you know pushed all the right buttons. It seems like uh, at the right times, despite you know having five different goaltenders, which seems just totally insane. But just talk about him, how he's managed this roster. Well, I just he's used everybody on and on and on. Mm-hmm. That you know, there's. There's a, a temptation to when you get injury to injuries to just lean on key people, and he's used everybody as a and, and made everybody be part of it, and that that goes a long way um, mentally in terms of you know understanding a role and 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 being part of a team and having a role, but it's also emotional where you have a stake in it, where you you find your you're being used. And playing three minutes a night is really hard to do. And no one no one in Vegas does that. He uses everybody. Well, the big storyline, or one of the big storylines in this series, obviously, is that 
Bruce Cassidy against Peter DeBoer. Can you remember last time seeing two fired coaches the season before, and then they end up facing off against each other in a conference final, and one of those coaches is going against his former team? Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of anything off the top, but you know there were you know a a, a, a couple of key coaches this year changed jobs. Paul Maurice, uh, you know, left mid-season in Winnipeg last year and ended up in Florida. He's in the conference final. Jim Montgomery uh, got hired in Boston, and we know they had an historic regular season. Cassidy fired in Boston. He's in the Final Four. DeBoer fired in Dallas. He's in the Final Four. Only Rod Brindamore is the guy who's kept his job for a while amongst the last four coaches. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at Peter DeBoer, I mean, this is going to be, what, the ninth series that he's been involved with the Golden Knights, either you know coaching the Golden Knights in six of those postseason series and three against them. Obviously, two when he was the head coach of the Sharks and now a third here as the head coach of the Dallas Stars. Uh, another kind of unique situation. If anybody knows the Golden Knights uh, better than anybody, it's definitely Peter DeBoer. Ben John Stevens was in uh, was in Dallas last year as well. So there right. are uh, there's lots of connections uh, in in that regard. And Bruce was asked about Pete this morning, and he said, "Well, I like Pete. He's a nice guy." So. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, that, that's not going to add extra motivation for him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would say, you know, Pete, you know, doesn't want to beat Bruce because of any dislike. I think everybody wants this, wins this, this series because the winner goes to the Stanley Cup. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the motivation here. Mm-hmm. Gary, in, in your opinion, you know, cause you're so close to the team. When Peter DeBoer, you know, left this team and was let go, um, you know, how, how much motivation is that for him as any coach that when you get let go to get back? And of course, you want to win no matter who the opponent is, but maybe specifically here against his former employer, and especially because, you know, the, uh, most of these guys are the same guys that he's coached before. Talk a little bit about it, maybe from DeBoer's angle. I, I wouldn't speak for Pete. You know what I mean? I right. think, uh, you know. <laughs> He came here uh, with Dallas after being fired by Vegas. He had good things to say about the organization. Yeah, coaches get fired. It's just part of the deal. Uh, Pete wants to win because he wants to get to the Stanley Cup. Right. Gary Lawless joins us. Uh, Vegas Gold Knights Insider does a fantastic job on both the radio and the TV side. The power play, Gary, obviously has been an issue. It was an issue uh, specifically in that Edmonton series where the Golden Knights were 2 for 25 Edmonton on the flip side, nine for twenty-two, pretty darn good. But why the power play problems for the Golden Knights? Well, actually, the power play picked up in the last couple of games for Vegas, and um, you know, I, I think it's been uh, pretty well documented. When Mark Stone's in the lineup, uh, they, uh, they they they've done a lot better. The special teams is good in the second half of that series. Uh, the penalty kill improved. Uh, they scored some. They scored big goals in the last two games on the power play when they needed to. So uh, hopefully hopefully those trends continue. So Dallas faced the Golden Knights three times this year, and I don't know how much stock you can put into regular season you know, matchups. I know on the NBA side, we just kind of discount that with all the load management and everything of that nature. But Dallas uh, defeated the Golden Knights, like we said, 4 nothing, you know, back in January. Then they had two close shootout victories. Um, how much stock do you put into the, the regular season meetings with these two teams? Yeah, Mark Stone didn't play in those last two games, so I kind of throw them out. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, you, it's the regular season. There's the travel. There's you know, all kinds of factors that go into these games. Uh, Seven-game series is a much better indicator of of what, you know, of a head-to-head matchup. So uh, I'll wait to see till, uh around game three you get a good feel of what the matchup is like. So I'm excited to find out. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, the Winnipeg series, the Edmonton series, this is going to be a little bit different, maybe a little bit tougher. And we know that Dallas is, is deeper and probably more balanced both offensively and defensively than Winnipeg and Edmonton. How difficult of a matchup is this for the Golden Knights? Yeah, I think it's a great matchup. I think that, uh, uh, you know, I, I think they're the best team Vegas has faced uh, 
so far in the playoffs. I think all four teams that are left are very good. This will not be, uh, this won't be easy. And, uh, um, you know, I'm not into predictions, so I won't make one, but, uh, I, I would predict that this will be a long series. That's, that's the one thing I'm pretty sure of. Mm. And talk a little bit just about the Dallas side of things. Like you said, we, you know, we know that they're deep and they, they've got balance and it, we know that they're kind of a team that when they score first, their numbers are, are phenomenal, especially here in the postseason. But they just seem like a very consistent team, you know, themselves. Talk a little bit about what, uh, you know, what fans can look forward to in this series and, and talk a little bit about Dallas. Well, Rope Hintz is, uh, one of the, you know, he's one of the hottest players in the NHL right now. He's had a tremendous playoff. Joe Pavelski, the Golden Knights fans know lots yeah. about him. Uh, Miro Haskin is, uh, one of the best defensemen in the NHL. They'll lean heavily on him. And, uh, Ottinger has had, uh, you know, he's obviously he's won two rounds. So he's been, uh, he's been pretty solid as well. So, uh, I, I listen, the, the best way for me to, <laughs> to categorize this is that both teams have, have depth and both teams have high octane talent. Uh, they have size. Uh, they're well coached. And I think Aiden Hill has really kind of stepped forward. So I think both teams have good goaltending. This is really even. Mm. Gary, what is the latest on uh, Bruce injury? Uh, he has not started to skate yet. Mm hmm. Okay. So, uh, for I mean, again, not to put any timetable on this thing, but highly unlikely that, that that we probably see him in this series or maybe even the postseason. Is that safe to say? Uh, I would no, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say that he has not started to skate yet. So, uh, um, we're <laughs> you know they don't tell us a lot about the injuries until the guy starts to skate. So, right. Um, yeah, that's what I would. Uh, that's what I'd be focusing on right now. All right, and back to Aiden Hill. Uh, it w- was phenomenal, you know, in those last couple games against uh, Edmonton. Uh, talk a little bit about him and and him facing this uh, Dallas Stars uh, potent offense. Yeah, he's a big guy that uh, will block shots, but he's also very athletic and competitive. So uh, he can make uh, he can make saves as well. He was tremendous in Game Six when the Golden Knights needed him, needed him and. Uh, you know, really shut the door on uh, uh, on on Edmonton in that game. So uh, I'm looking forward to see if he has another gear, and I would be surprised if he does. In your opinion, Gary, what are the keys, key elements to to this series for the Golden Knights? Well, they're going to be disciplined and stay on the penalty box because uh, Dallas has a very important power play, uh, and uh, I think you know balanced scoring. You know, Jack Eichel has. Continue to get better. Mark Stone has had a big impact. Chandler Stevenson. Now Marshall was hot. I think that uh, uh, I'd like to see you know if William, William Carrier can uh, kind of catch fire. He hasn't had uh, hasn't had a goal in the playoffs yet, but he was obviously had 16 in the regular season before he got injured, and he seems to be rounding into form. So um, yeah, just just use that depth. That's the key for the Vegas Golden Knights. All right. And before we let you go, Gary, some thoughts over in the East. Uh, Carolina and Florida, maybe a couple surprises uh, there. I know uh, in the NHL, you can kind of throw out the seeds. You know, we've we've seen seven, eight seeds, you know, make long runs and even and win a cup before. But uh, give me some thoughts on, on Carolina and Florida. Yeah, Carolina, no surprise to me. They won a ton of hockey games. They were in the top five in the NHL. Florida had to scrape to get in, but then, uh, you know, they've obviously had a couple of pretty big upsets along the way, knocking off the Bruins and the Leafs. Uh, that series, both teams forecheck really hard. Both teams can skate. They've got some high end finish as well. I think that's going to be a long series as well. All right. He is Gary Lawless. Does a fantastic job as a Vegas Golden Knights insider, also on the radio and the TV side of things. Gary, appreciate the time as always, my friend. Great stuff. And uh, we look forward to talking with you soon. All right. Thanks. Talk to you soon. There he goes. Gary Lawless. Uh, the guy is all over the place from TV to radio. And again, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights insider been here since day one. Um, you know, one of the first hires that, uh, that Bill Foley and the uh, Golden Knights executive staff uh, brought in and uh, just a, a great hockey guy. I've been around it for a long, long time. Always enjoy talking to Gary. All right. Friday night, it starts. 
for real. And for the fourth time in the last six years, and again, all six years that this franchise has been here, that uh, the Golden Knights are got an opportunity to play to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. The very first year they got there, uh, ended up losing, you know, five games to the Washington Capitals. But this team, this franchise has been very, very consistent. I know for a lot of fans, it was a blow last year not making the playoffs and they thought, wow, what's going to happen now? And you may say that the Knights, you know, executive staff maybe they overreacted and they said hey let's get rid of peter DeBoer. um we don't know what's going to be in store here we're going to be able to you know to to get back is this the beginning of maybe uh, a downtrodden cycle uh that was not the case at all remember the golden knights were severely had severe injuries last year i mean more uh you know games lost you know from the player's side than any other team in the NHL last year. Sometimes the team needs a new voice. Sometimes they need a new message. I don't know if the Golden Knights would be here if Pierre DeBoer was still their head coach, but we know he's a very good head coach. We saw it in San Jose. We saw the rivalry uh, between the Golden Knights and San Jose, and now Pierre DeBoer you know, landed with the Dallas Stars near, immediately after you know he got fired from here, and now... It's the stars in the Golden Knights. But Bruce Cassidy came, comes over from Boston where they basically said, we need a new voice. We need a new change. And we get that. You know, players sometimes just need uh, a fresh start. We see that with head coaches as well, too. Sometimes we shake our heads like, why did management make this move? Other times we shake our heads because, well, why didn't management make this move sooner? But this seems to be a good fit. With Bruce Cassidy. It, it really does. Players have bought into his system. He's pushed all the right buttons. He's used the entire roster uh, from day one. And again, the Golden Knights had some massive injuries. Lost a lot of man games, you know, with uh, this roster again this year. But they persevered. Closed the season, you know, in fantastic shape. Got that number one seed in the West. They have home ice advantage for this round. And... uh they're going to face the Dallas Stars team that is going to be very, very hungry. And I agree with Gary. This is going to be the toughest opponent or the toughest series that the Golden Knights have had so far in the postseason. And that's usually the case the further on that you go. We do see upsets. And again, you look at the East and you can say, well, I mean, is the Carolina, you know, Hurricane, are they the toughest opponent for the Florida Panthers? Well, no, they knocked off the number one seed. They knocked off the Boston Bruins, who had like a record-setting year during the regular season. But as we've seen in the NHL in years past, the regular season doesn't mean too much. Oh, you get the best record, President's Trophy? That's usually a curse, right? (laughs) So NHL's a different beast, and there is very, very little difference between a lot of these teams. It's about staying healthy, get a hot goaltender, Stay out of the penalty box, convert in the power play. All right. The Golden Knights have pretty much done that despite having a rotating, you know, goaltender, five of them unheard of, and then not doing very well in the power play. I mean, two for 25, like I mentioned against the Oilers, but they still won that series in six games. So we get some big time production from other players, get a hot goaltender and Aiden Hill. No one, no one knew what to expect. Would we even be mentioning Aiden Hill's name two weeks ago? Not a, cl- not a chance. How about a month or two ago? Three months ago? Forget about it. He, is he even going to be on the roster? Be a Henderson Silver Knight? I mean, look at him. So, but this is sports. This is what happens. All right, Brossois, you heard from Gary Lawless. He's not started to skate yet, so it looks like it's going to be Aiden Hill. You know, basically. For the rest of this postseason run, we'll see if Bruce Law can get healthy and maybe if the Golden Knights advance to the Stanley Cup final. Sounds like he could be ready to go uh, by then. But uh, that is an interesting stat, though. Keep that in mind. The Dallas Stars, I believe the number is 8-1 and one when they score first. Think about that. When they score first, they're 8-1. and one. When they don't score first, I, they don't win. <laughs> they don't win. 
Now, the Golden Knights have been pretty successful, you know, scoring first. But no one has, I think, that bigger discrepancy than the Stars. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be electric. It is going to start here Friday night at T-Mobile Arena. It is the Western Conference Final between the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, people were anticipating the Golden Knights in Edmonton. A lot of people thought that it was going to be Edmonton. Heck, Edmonton was the series favorite. They were actually the favorite, the betting favorite in each and every one of those games. Golden Knights dispatched them in six games. And now... This place is going to be rocking Friday. Remember, special uh, start time is 5.30 p.m. on Friday. I know tickets went on sale yesterday uh, for the Golden Ice release some tickets. Hopefully uh, you got your tickets. You're going to be there Friday as well as Sunday. Remember, Sunday, game number two, we'll have a 12 noon start. But it will be uh, entertaining. Will be, it'll be fun. No would, doubt about it. Would you have rather have had Vegas, Seattle, as the ex- ex- the expansion teams facing off, no, you know, for me, this is the series. Yeah, because you want to see the two best teams in the West, and Dallas was right there with the Golden Knights. You can make the argument that your top teams in the West, in no particular order, were the Golden Knights, Edmonton, Colorado, Dallas. Right? I think it's fair to say Seattle came out of nowhere in. Yeah, I mean, Golden Knights would be a much heavier favorite if they were facing the Kraken, but, you know, not the case. But this is, this is it, you know? And I think a lot of people will look at this, and I'm kind of looking at it. This is like the Stanley Cup final. Not to say that you want to just breeze by anybody, but Carolina or Florida is going to be in the Stanley Cup final? I mean, this is more marquee, Golden Knights and Dallas, than the winner of this series versus whoever comes out of the East Carolina or Florida. All right, we come back. We're going to talk fight night on Saturday night. MGM Grand, it's going to be a good one. Devin Haney, Las Vegas' own, taking on Vasily Lomachenko from the Ukraine. Always been one of my favorites. That's going to be happening Saturday night at the MGM Grand Garden Arena, presented by Top Rank. Tim Bradley, the five-time former junior and welterweight champ, will join us. My good friend Tim Bradley. He's going to be pumped up, revved up, fired up. So we'll talk a little boxing. Plus, we'll talk some Major League Baseball and NBA playoffs next hour as well. So hang on tight. Don't you dare go anywhere on a wild Wednesday.